He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going to be silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere before a keeper now about to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'm James Richardson and this is week 95. And uh, as always, Barry, you're joining us again to talk all things golf this week. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Uh, I'm alright. Anybody who wants to get in contact with us, our Twitter handle is at PodcastGTS. The email is goodtalkspoiled at gmail.com. Twitter is at PodcastGTS. And we start where we always start, Barry. And uh, finally, we got a bit of golf in over the last couple of weeks, which is... uh, been nice, little blowy on Saturday, but uh, but it's been good. Yeah, I mean, Torrey Pines was kind of a veritable dome of calm compared to what we were playing in. Uh, no, not really. It was it was very breezy in our place as well. Uh, a big sidewind, I guess, if we were to call it like that. There was no real into or you know with holes. It was just it just swirled. Calm. It seemed to swirl an awful lot. Um, yeah. Seemed at one stage it was with you, then it seemed you were about to hit the the big problem with and we'll come on to Tory Pines in a second. Is the real problem I had was any time you pulled the trigger to hit a shot, the, the golf club just fly out. You know, it would just move offline. So it was tough to kind of yeah. keep things going. And it's it's one of those rounds that you you smile, you nod, you you laugh about it, and you just keep moving. Yeah, I mean it's tough when you're getting. You know, you go into your backswing and you're getting buffeted by the wind and it's actually moving your body as if you're a sail. And then it's really hard to get the club back into the right place to hit the ball consistently well. But, um, like I said, I was, I just went out and had so much fun actually just getting out and playing golf. It was just brilliant. There was no, no rain. Obviously it was, was cold and wind. So, um, it was really enjoyable. If anything freaky happened, you just laughed it off. You couldn't do anything but, um, but there was times uh, yeah. we we were walking down. You 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 could see it land. Like I, I'm just thinking, even on well, the first hole, I was just left of the the, the green. I was probably no more than a club length off the mm-hmm. green, and uh, walked up and down, up and down. And this is only a par three, like guys. So you know, we saw it, and I think it was only about 120 odd yards, probably not even. If even playing like uh, short tees. So we all saw it. And I couldn't find the bloody thing. Yeah. And then eventually, it wasn't until I practically stood on it. It was that buried in the ground that uh, that you realise this is going to be one of those days where you're going to have to keep a very, very close eye on where that ball is landing because it doesn't matter where you see it land. It was going <laughs> so you up there. Yeah. It was going below the, the the crater. Well, I was talking to one of the guys in the pro shop, and just to give the listeners an example and idea of how soggy the course is and how much it's had to deal with it's an actual credit that it's open since the beginning of November until last weekend we've had 700 mil- millimetres of rain on the golf course which is just staggering um, it's it's a miracle it's open and actually almost playable um, you know it's a few soggy spots but on the whole like it's it's, it's open it's great and uh, yeah it was good fun to get out there it was uh, we weren't here last week but the, the previous week on Sunday I played in the first of uh, the Fitzgibbon match play, which is a combination of a 14, 14 handicap, yeah, 14 handicap. So two golfers to combine uh, to two 14. Two golfers, foursomes, uh, and uh, play, played with a guy off three up in the golf club. And thankfully, we won two up uh, after the 18th, but uh, didn't start great for my three handicap partner who uh, shanked it straight out of bounds onto the roof of the uh, the clubhouse and looked like he was going to get lucky because it bounced back onto the course then rolled onto the path and then hit the out of bounds post looked like it had stayed in yeah. and then in fact had just trickled down with well there must have been 15 lads of both our team and their team and supporters and people standing behind the green I hadn't even got the glove out of the bag I thought I was going to be you know, either chipping or putting <laughs> on the first <laughs> I had, to, had to go and get another golf ball but uh, thankfully we were one down after the first and thankfully one up two up but uh, it was great to be back playing competitive golf because even the 12 hole competitions like last Saturday it's it's fine, but it's not 18 holes, and mm. you kind of can switch off. And at the moment, the Winter League, which is coming back this week, Barry, uh, that's your 
your invention then that returns after the winter hiatus. But even that, where there's nothing competitive, if you're not playing well after five or six holes, where it's only 12-hole competition, you kind of start losing a bit of interest. Yeah, don't knock the 12-hole comps. You know, I'll, I'll still take my win that I had last weekend. You know, a win, an early season win is an early season win. I just teed it up for you. I'll take, I'll take confidence from this. Honestly, I had 23 points for 12 holes. Is it 23 or 22? 23. Oh. The computer got it wrong. Uh, you signed my card, so you know what I had. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just signed your card. I was so cold, I didn't give a shite. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, look, a win is a win, and whether it be in a little thing like that or... No, anyway, I didn't think I had a chance. I just, like I said, went out, enjoyed playing golf. The results email came out, bonus, a little voucher to go spend on uh, some golf gear going up towards the... Uh, going into the new season. Well, um that, that I suppose is always a good thing and uh, Winter League back this week so um, hopefully you guys out there also got to get out and play it's uh, hopefully now really the start of the golfing season now that kind of spring has meant to officially start but we'll wait and see if it has hopefully it will dry up a little bit over the next few weeks and the season will be on us in no time. You blink and you miss it, and the course we drive back, we back to eighteen holes in what four or five weeks' time. It's just going to be so quick. Yeah, uh, it's going to be great. Um, well, look, if anybody has been able to get out, if they uh, if they enjoyed their round of golf or anything spectacular happened to them at Podcast GTS, let's look at the news. Um, and I suppose the first place to start is the Senior Open has uh, they've announced that St Andrews will host the Senior Open in 2018 which is good for the seniors, it's great for uh, the the game and I think we always enjoy watching uh, the the Open, any Open and any competition at, at the home of golf, so we'll wait and look forward to that a um, couple of other things I suppose to talk about is that Barry had there a second ago the uh, this week's rundown for how long it is to the Masters it's not bad at all it's, this is how quick it's going to come around guys uh, 64 days which is uh, 9 weeks 9 weeks in a day well there you go and that was able for me to segue into the fact that uh, it looks like with the announcement this week by Jim Furyk that he is going to now miss the Masters in uh, in 64, 64 days, four days time, which will be the first time um, in nearly 20 years that he's missed it. Um, it seems for, what is he, top 10 still in the world, knocking around, 45 years old, but he's, he's, he's injured his wrist, um, which has been plaguing him for a while, and he just says that he can't go on any longer, and he's going to have to have surgery on it, which is, his hope will be that it, it will short circuit any further rehabilitation and get him back but I think we wish Jim the very best obviously um, because I just I actually like watching Jim Fuhrer it's just something Mm -hmm. I think it just shows that you don't have to have what looks like the perfect swing to be able to go out and and play golf at the highest level it would be a shame to not see him at the the Masters but we wish him a a speedy recovery and I suppose the other there's there's a few other interesting things. The European Tour has has started, and I think Barry, you you like this. We were talking about this during the week. They're starting to slowly, re, you know, relax certain rules. And one of the major rules that had been there for quite some time was that the pros could not wear shorts during a competition. Yeah, and pretty much a competition week. Yeah, so I, I think they weren't even allowed practice in the practice rounds they had to actually wear trousers mm-hmm. if they were on from the Tuesday on pretty much it was yeah you were right trousers. at the venue you were you wearing pants um, so th- this this is now I suppose it might be kind of uh, Pele's way of kind of slowly changing the rules here but mm-hmm. uh, he's he's been implementing a new one which is that the players can now wear shorts on practice days and pro-ams which I think is probably a good idea I think it uh, it kind of relaxes it a little yeah. bit especially I don't think there'll be too many doing it at the Irish Open playing in shorts, but <laughs> where you have the desert swing, where you have some of the hotter climates, you know, it, it makes sense for these guys. They don't necessarily um, need to be always so dressed up. Do you think, you, you know, I know you agree that it's a good idea. Do you think that it's a slippy slope? Do you have a feeling that this is going to be the start of a relaxation of tournament golf mm. where we're going to move into a situation where shorts will slowly in a few years just seem as the natural progression for these lads 
you'd like to think it would happen quickly, but it, the reality is, it's probably you know, if ever it could be five, ten years before it actually happens. So but do you think it's a good thing? Like, would you like to see in the Masters in sixty-four days' time half the field wearing shorts and t-shirt? Forgetting that the Masters probably would never allow it anyway. But, I don't know. But if you take it, it at the Masters, you take it at the home of golf, British, you know, the the, the Open Championship in St Andrews. Would you like to see the field half of them starting out in a pair of shorts and t-shirt, white socks? It's an impossible question to ask because of the, the Masters Committee would never allow it, but. Well no, because it's, it's their a, tournament. No, no, it's a it's a PGA sanctioned tournament. It's their tournament. There's no way they're gonna be let, let the PGA overrule them what the players can and can't wear on their course. Be an interesting uh, dilemma that if that's the case. Yeah, you might find an exception who, uh, to your exemption the next year if you wear shorts in the Gusta. Well, who's who the the, the the tournament is hosted and sanctioned by the PGA. The funds are paid. The players are paid. Yeah, but that, that is, Masters committee is way more powerful. Like, I mean, like, like I can understand them yeah. saying you can't come into the clubhouse with shorts and t-shirt, but I'm not sure that if, if the rules of the PGA See, say they, that but, they're entitled to do it, then can there be an exception to the Masters? Ah, but it's so easy for Augusta to say, "Well, sorry, there's no shorts allowed at the practice green or the practice range," and then next thing you know, the pro is going to the practice green to put a few minutes before his tea time is not going to go there in shorts but you're getting, you're getting away from the point of no, that being an exception to the rule they won't let, take, they won't let take, it take the PGA take, take any other tournament take, take St Andrews I think if any tour is going to do it first you're looking at somewhere like one of the, the sub tours so you might see like the Asian tour go first then maybe the secondary European tours like the challenge tour then it might hit the main uh, in the European tour I think the PGA tour might never actually do it I think it's a really good thing but it's, I, I don't know, how, it, it's going to take a combined effort to make the leap. You know, the European Tour and the PGA Tour working together, I think, just push it all together, push it together um, and get it done in one sweep. Um, it's, good, it's good to bring the kids into the game like that. You know, it makes it a bit more accessible. Inter- people have, you know, the general population can have quite a, an archaic view on golf and look upon it, oh, it's quite an elite game and it's very inaccessible to me. And they see all the lads in shorts, and they go, "Okay, maybe this could be a game for me." Um, this kind of aligns to you know Ricky Fowler's shoes. They're they're a different form of fashion as well. Now you know the high tops and the, the almost jogging pants. They don't quite look like trousers, do they now? Well, they're skinny. They're these skinny jeans that all these kids are wearing these days. Yeah, they look like they have kind of an elasticated bottom on them. So they almost look like tracksuit bottoms. He looks like he is Marty McFly falling out of uh, Back <laughs> to the Future on the golf course. He's just missing the bubble jacket. Uh, look, I think the shorts are a great thing. It is It is definitely, I mean, it's, on, from the outside, it looks like a step that uh, Keith Pelley is taking to push the European tour towards allowing shorts. And I don't see anything wrong with it. If the guys are wearing tailored shorts and they look, you know, so long as they're not allowed to go too far above the knee, you know, you have those 1980s horrible shorts or whatever. There's been plenty of photos on Twitter of like Sam Torrance back in the day wearing ridiculously short shorts or some other guy back in the 80s. Oh, just, uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I am on the fence in relation to it. I don't mind it at practice days. I don't think the pro-am is a bad idea, especially in certain parts of the world. I, I think that it will come in in due course. I would hate, personally, I think it won't be quite right. I'm not sure I will buy into it especially because I think you will find an awful lot of people the second they have the opportunity to do it, but particularly in the US, maybe not so much because the tour in Europe tends to be played in slightly colder climates, even in the middle of the summer. Um, it makes sense in, in, in your Thailands, it makes sense in the Middle East, uh, where this swing is right mm-hmm. in the very heat of the place. I just don't know. I'm not sure. It's I'm, a I'm, I'm, and the other argument is the fabric technology is so advanced these days. The trousers are, you know, designed to like get moisture away. They're designed to be really cool, you know, cool in temperature wise. The difference, what you know, what difference is, what benefit is there of wearing shorts versus trousers that re, you know reflect heat and you know enable good air circulation or whatever? And to be fair, and, and I'm going to flip slightly here, and I'm not moving from my original. I'm not sure. Question, but okay. I suppose when you watch, to change your mind. It's our but, show. But when, yeah, uh, that's nice. It's our show. I always thought it was your show. I just was here. Uh, I'm just trying to get something out of you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but the thing is that what I 
I suppose when you think about the female, the women's tour, a lot of them wear shorts each week, and you don't think twice about it. So maybe mm-hmm. it's just getting your head around a change, and maybe it, you know you you wouldn't think twice about it in two or three years' time if it came in, and you wouldn't think twice about it in the masters because you go, sure, it's just normal, you well, know, as long as it's within the concept of. What about plus fours? They're just long shorts and worn with big high socks. Well, you see, the funny thing about the plus fours, which I always found slightly ironic, was it was fine on the tour, but every golf club you ever go to pretty much says, no plus fours on our course. <laughs> it's like, to be honest with you, the, the guy who looks like he's just basically fallen out of bed and put on a pair of, tra- you know, not quite tracksuit bottoms, but put on a pair of trousers that don't look like they've been washed in 10 years and a t-shirt he went painting in, yeah. you'd be better putting him in plus fours than what he's going out on the course in. But um, have, you tried be interesting. Sh- have you tried to show up to a club in plus fours? No, no, because uh, the rules say you're not allowed. Glenda de Danes, uh, has a very strict rule if you read it. It says no plus fours. Does it? It says you are not allowed to have your trousers tucked into your socks, which is basically plus fours. <laughs> <laughs> so they, uh, they, they have... So you, just need to, you need to show a little leg then. Well, that's it, you yeah. know, uh, and we won't go too far into no. that. Um, the PGA merchandise show, and you touched on this a second ago, Barry, with... Uh, Puma showing off the Ricky Fowler uh, the high top shoe. Um, I have no problem with them. I think they look stupid. I'm never going to buy them, to be perfectly honest, but that's just me. I think you need to be a, a certain age or personality to, to remotely have a chance of pulling them off. Uh, yeah. they're, 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 they're not for us. No, but I can see where uh-huh. Puma has clearly decided that between Ricky Fowler and their, the orange, the bright colours, they are clearly aiming their market at the sub. 30 year olds mm-hmm. uh, and I know people who will go out and buy them I know guys in their 20s who will go out and buy them for the golf course simply because they think they look cool mm-hmm. um, so there's definitely a market there and Puma is definitely tapping into that niche idea of bright yellows bright oranges really out there colours because I can see that happening with a load of guys on a stag do yeah. ending up wearing that kind of stuff and just borrowing fashion a fashion style from another sport, you know, albeit you know, it's basketball. So it's you know, you might actually access a few the basketball fans out there, just a little bit, but enough that you might catch a few people. For me, I would be more interested in them if there was any scientific proof that it actually would help my game. If mm. it, if it gave some stability, if there was some reasoning behind being able to kind of get something around your ankle and more support, then you might go, oh, they might be onto something here. But I think it's another thing they they are trying to say. When you think of the amount of clothing brands now, and we've got Jordan Spieth about to come out with his own range under mm-hmm. the Under Armour, you've got your Nikes, your Callaways, your Foot Joys, you know, there are so many, we could list them, we could be here all day. Puma has to set themselves apart, and and, and we're all talking about it. And and it's a differentiator, it is, it's a really good thing. We Actually, Joe, speaking of the boots, do you remember we were talking about waterproof shoes? Oh, and yes. They're not quite... The waterproof shoes, great, blah, blah, blah. They're never quite waterproof. We all know that. No matter how good the claims are, water will sneak in somewhere and hit your socks and eventually you get peak gets out. You showed me those. Were they Nikes? The Nike, yeah. Yeah, they look like kind of um, almost like sailing boots to a certain extent on, on the top, like neoprene. But they came up around your ankles to, I guess, stop the water getting in the sides of your shoes. Like, so they're a little bit more flush to your legs, so water's just not going to get they're, in. They're ankle boots, basically. They're yeah, ankle golf There we shoes. go. <laughs> Thank you so much for saving me. Yeah, there, there was a few other very interesting um, bits and pieces. And, and Barry, you've, you've kind of really very kindly put down a few bits and pieces and you can check out all of these on the Golf WRX uh, website and in fact if you go to the golfchannel.com there's a huge amount of videos of what mm. went on at the PGA show this is amazing 1300 stands or something like that it would take you like a couple of days just to walk around buy them all quickly and, and everything was there you know we we have the announcement this week of the uh, the new NXT Titleist NXT Tour and mm. NXT Tour S so there is a lot of new equipment that has been released um, yeah, but there was Br- a few Bridgestone announcing golf balls that are supposedly better than the Pro V1s there's other golf ball manufacturers you know with similar claims and and I, I'd recommend anybody going on and looking at it because there's other bits like Strixon have a new driver for the first time in years they're coming back into the market and mm. um, you've got all the different wedges you've got the new SM6s by, by Vokey which are coming out in, in the next couple of weeks and um, you've a huge amount of of information, a lot of which we've already talked about, the stuff about the 816 hybrids by Titleist, how they want to change the image of a, a hybrid from less of a rescue 
to something that you actually want to use as an aggressive club. But Barry, you looked at a few things, and uh, I suppose we, you can run through them pretty quickly. But the, the giant putters from Seymour Putters, uh, Zach Johnson is. Uh, Use this brand. Yeah, save the little eye, the sight line on them. You know, where you see Zach Johnson would line up with his hands very back, very unique putting style. But anyway, Seymour have got an awful lot of coverage because of Zach Johnson, and mm. in particular with his open win last year, they've been pushed even more into the limelight. They have gone and increased the size of the putter heads quite significantly. So they have five different sizes, starting from Zach's, which is actually kind of small, but they've gone to really big ones. So I guess it's just. Kind of like big-headed drivers give people more confidence on mm. the putting green. You know, they feel like they have a bigger sweet spot to hit. And uh, yeah, maybe you'll see other companies, you know, trying their hand at a big, a big version or a supersized version of their putters. And 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 sticking with the putters for the moment, you also were looking at the happy putters. These these have a lot of interchangeable this aspects is, of it. Yeah. So uh, this is think of all the things that like the adjustable drivers can do with the loft, the lie, the the adjustment, the weight, the weight. Uh, Sorry, the weight slots and everything. So these guys have interchangeable sight lines. So they're the ones that sit on the top of your putter so you can have different kind of designs to mm. just whatever your eyes feel comfortable with. <clears throat> they are adjustable for loft, lie, offset, weight, and dexterity. So if, if I buy a putter from them, I can switch it from a right-handed putter to a left-handed putter with the adjustability. Now, obviously, this is... Um, as with the adjustable drivers, you can't adjust them in the middle of the round. You have to... Whatever you start with, that's what you got to finish with. Um, but they've signed a top 100 player and three top uh, 10 LPGA players, so they're definitely going to. You're going to see those out on the tour this year. Um, you never know, and you know if they get a win with those, all of a sudden everybody will be buying a happy putter. There's also, um, and this year we have the GoDaddy um, founder has brought out his very PXG club, PXG, mm-hmm. and, and they've got a few of the big names and. Uh, He's, he's, he's pumped his money into this. Zach like Johnson is, is a part of this. Yeah. But, uh. Billy Horschel. Billy Horschel. A lot of guys, mm. and, uh, you know, when you see them, it looks like they've just taken the rivets off the, uh, the Titanic and just pumped them into the. They're the so cool. Those rivets are all adjustable weights. Yeah. Now, it does look, now this is, this is real high end stuff. This is not just going and getting custom fitted. This is custom fitted plus, plus, plus. This is $350, $400 a club. But there is actually, more expensive out there, Barry, and you were looking at these, which uh, for for the guy who won bit. the sixty six million on the Euro Millions or the uh, the jackpot lottery in the states, this might be the golf clubs that they'll go for. Yeah, I mean, if you have a particular brand of car, this might really sit in quite well in your boot in your large Bentley Continental. So Bentley have gone and teamed up with <clears throat> what I think is Vega Golf actually, who make the irons for Bentley and. Uh, They've released their own set of golf clubs. So their standard set of golf clubs, 14 clubs, is $3,500, which is actually not ridiculous when we're talking about the PXG being three, dollars $400 a club. So, uh, But Bentley don't do things by half. They had to go for the Uber version as well. So they have a set available for $100,000. Uh, Lord knows what rare materials and minerals and wind tunnel technology has gone into these, but... As part of your hundred thousand dollars, you do get a VIP trip to Japan to have your set fully, fully customized, and uh, I'm sure all the bells and whistles will go with it. It's interesting. I was listening to one, and as I say, go on to the Golf Channel to to look at the videos. But one of the videos they were talking about was, I think it was, it was either Callaway or Titleist. I can't remember which, but they were talking about the amount of people who still just buy off the shelf golf clubs mm-hmm. and how. They really want to get across to people. It costs you no more money to go and get fitted, and that it is still at a point where it doesn't matter how many times it's said, how many times people getting fitted is absolutely vital because the dispersion rate between your best shot and your worst shot is going to be so much shorter than if you go into the shop and just buy any standard set off the, the shelf. There's hundreds and hundreds of different combinations of shafts and lies mm-hmm. and lofts that it's absolutely taking it to 10 grand or 100 grand probably not so much but if you if you have the money if you you know if it's something like GoDaddy or the the PXG like there is a market it's most likely very high end America Japan mm-hmm. China where a lot of money is able to be put into it there's definitely a market there for it. They wouldn't be making them if there wasn't a market. There's always somebody who wants, who has loads of money and wants to differentiate themselves in the crowd, and that's why. And to be fair to Bentley, the golf clubs look 
fantastic. They're really pretty looking golf clubs. They do. You wouldn't want to be going to your local uh, public course with them. It's probably probably one where you have but a few memberships. If you take, do you know what the thing is? If you take that Bentley logo off those clubs, all of a sudden <clears throat> you're going to want them. You wouldn't. Uh, you wouldn't want to hand them to a guy in the car park and say, "Give them a swinger." Smashed <laughs> <laughs> across the uh, the side. You would. You'd probably also think twice about. Uh, you know. The one backhanded around the tree with the tree trunk in your swing line. Yeah, they yeah. might be going. Barry, could I borrow one of your crap ones for a moment? <laughs> I just take a drop on this one. Um, well, I think look, it's, yeah. it's it's interesting. I think the PXG is something that would be very interesting to see how that goes over uh, the next number with, of years. And with the guys that they've hired this year, I reckon they're getting. It's not going to be the last we hear of them. They'll be making headlines this year, and that it's just adjustability to the extreme now and it, it might push it might push the other manufacturers and you know it's another technological leap it could very well be in golf well it would be interesting to watch and um, look uh, we could go on for hours literally hours mm-hmm. of the show looking at all the stuff that came out you know we didn't even touch about the golf pride and game golf which have now brought out the grips the integrated that, uh, game that golf have the, uh, the the game golf tags and um, into them, so there's a huge amount. Everything is changing, but you know it'll be interesting. Yeah. Get onto, as I say, golf channel. Well worth spending 20 minutes of just looking at video after video of all the different yeah. golf equipment. And hide your, hide your credit card. Just be uh, dangerous. Yes. You'll be buying a lot of things very quickly. But certainly, it's a good time of year if you're going to get equipment or clubs in particular. It's a good time to get them earlier because you've time to get used to them before the season. So. Um, the other thing, the other flip side is that there's there's also probably quite a lot of the this generation technology which is going out of the shops that are now at yeah. a reduced fee. So if you're not in the market for a brand new set, there's definitely a lot of golf clubs coming back into the shop, or, or trying to get rid of some of the older stock that uh, is just as good. If you're not playing all the time, but you want that type of the set or you want that Callaway set. It may be worth going to your, the your te- shop and the, seeing what's available. One of the tailor-made recent ones, like the M1, is now going to be replaced by the M2, so you're going to be able to get the M1 at a reduced price. And just because it's not the premier one or the newest one they have doesn't mean it's still not available as a customised club. You can still go get yeah. these things customised. So um, anyone who's been a long-term listener show knows that we're massive advocates of it, and uh, we will never cease to be. And it should also say that even if you find a set of clubs even if you go into the golf shop you see a second hand set that's in good nick and you want to buy them you can always bring them to the pro um, in your local golf shop who has an expertise and they can add weight they can change things you know it's cheaper to change a shaft in a full set of golf clubs than perhaps buying a brand new set so there's a lot Mm -hmm. of a lot of customization that can happen post purchase purchase so it is it's something that people should be aware of you have your lofts and lies adjusted you you can do for example you you shrink overnight by two inches or you have a growth spurt you know these things can all be changed so but it's it's worth having a look but um, the LPGA let's have a quick look back over the last uh, couple of weeks the LPGA returned to the Pure Silk Bahamas Classic in Paradise Island in, in surprise, surprise, the Bahamas. 6,625 yard, par 73. And Hoi Joe Kim won on 18 under. Um, won by two shots from Stacey Lewis. And uh, it was another second place for poor Stacey. But uh, congratulations, I suppose, to, to, to Kim, who... Uh, Opens the season uh, tournament with the victory, and uh, I'm sure she'll hope that that's the first of many over the course of uh, the year. Um, Poor Stacey Lewis, like she, she is, is she the new Padraig Harrington? Like the other way, he's had he's got twenty something second place finishes. She seems to just be having a second place finish every two, three, or four weeks last year. Well, I, I would I would say she'd happily take second rather than twenty second. Well, yeah, but, true, uh, true. certainly, uh, certainly tough. Uh, the week before last on the European tour was the Abu Dhabi HSBC Golf Championship in uh, the Abu Dhabi Golf Club, and I suppose this was uh, the start of. It was built as you know the big three were there. Yeah, it's like the big two in terms of Jordan Spieth mm. and. Um, and Rory McIlroy, Rory was back for the first time in 2016. Jordan was starting his venture across the world, which we're going to come on to in a minute. Um, but really, it, it all came down to one man who is Wore not in shoes. that tree. <laughs> and uh, it was Ricky Fowler who pretty much breezed through the field 
and uh, and and won. Good good showing by McElroy to be fair. He was he was there or thereabouts, but really this week was all about uh, Ricky Fowler. And now they're talking about it not being the top three in the world. It's, it's now the top four. And uh, I was looking at the top ten the other day, and I was thinking actually you could probably argue top five, a, a top six. <laughs> you know, there's so many now. There is a big fall off from the top three down to, to, to four and five in terms of the world ranking points but it's great for Ricky Fowler it's great for golf because we now have another guy in that in that field that uh, you want to see him this year just kick on again and you know really really compete at the highest level if he grabs a major this year that's it like it, it's extreme superstar status for him I mean I, I don't I don't I'm not a mad big fan of these top four, top three or the big three or the big four tags that they put on the players I mean just let the guys get on with their golf I mean I suppose the guy they want to make a headline or something or have something to talk about or they're trying to contextualize how good these guys are versus guys of you know eras gone bygone by you know or gone by get my words right it's a big however many are out there in the field on any given week they can all go out and win they can all go out and beat, beat each other um, these guys are showing up a little bit more often than the others and I suppose that's why they, they get this tag of the big X uh, yeah look I, I think it's, it, it's it's what the PGA want it's what the European Tour want they need to sell the rivalry mm. dare I say it and I don't watch it but it's nearly like the WWE or the wrestling you need to have that rivalry to keep people interested you know you don't want a situation and I don't think the tour wants a situation where tiger, like a tiger just dominates for so long that when he's in the field everyone just throws their hat at him and goes oh well tiger's playing this week so we might not have a chance to win where now they're building it off geez anyone any week can turn up and win mm. but if you have the top four then one of those guys should be pretty close to winning. Like, it's not easy to win on tour no. um, at any stretch. So to see them competing, but it's it, I think it's a TV thing. I think it's to keep people interested when, you know, you have Super Bowls and you've got, you know, World Cups and Olympics and all of these things competing for people's attention. You need to they shout. They need to do something. Yeah. They need to kind of build it up. Uh, it was a really impressive performance by Fowler. You know, especially that, that bounce back eagle he made after he made the double, you know, the, the, the chip in eagle from the bunker on the par five. I mean, it's, that's, it's not, the guys, the commentators always go on about bounce back ability and you might laugh and go, oh, it's a make you up term. Like, it really isn't. It's so, it's such, it's such a huge part of golf, isn't it? Like, Recovering quickly from kind of a sucker punch to the gut, and you know, which a double bogey is, especially for a pro, and uh, to do what he did there, and banging, knocking that eagle, and he just holding the putts down the stretch and hitting the good shots, uh, really impressive, and he 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 should have one of those years like he did the the, four, the year of the four top fives of the majors this year I mean he's got the game to contend the swing looks really solid the one he's worked on with Butch now it just goes to show again quite what Butch can do you know you yeah. can see what he's trying to do in terms of stabilising the left leg he's, he looks like a guy who who's building a swing and building something that come down the stretch on, on, on Master Sunday or on, on, a, on a major Sunday he's got the game to hold up and and as he said, you know, and I think it was he that joked or somebody joked to him about, well, is it no longer the top three, is it the top four? It gives him the confidence as well to go into this season going, well, actually, I turned up to the Abu Dhabi and, and hey, do you know what? That was a top field. You know, we've mm-hmm. got Jordan Spieth coming off the Hyundai. We've got Rory coming back in a course that he loves. Yeah, and, it's dancing you know, there. And you've there got some big a names lot there. of big names, a lot of top guys. And, and Ricky has, has gone ahead, beaten them. But... Just turn to Jordan Speed for a second because he then left Abu Dhabi and has gone to Singapore on mm-hmm. his round the world tour. And in fairness, I, I have to say I take I, I I like why he did it from what he was saying. I'm world number one. I'm not an American number one. I I'm gonna go and try and play in tournaments. He goes to Singapore. He says that before the week. He talks about it's important to go and play around the world being world number one. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, when he doesn't win out in Singapore, yeah. now I'm very jet-lagged and I won't do it again. 
it, it doesn't quite sit with me. No. It seems he struggled in the putting in Abu Dhabi. He struggled again down in, in Singapore. Fatigue, maybe. But this is a guy who all of last year said, I just love playing golf. And well, now we're getting rel- a bit of... Struggle's a relative term for speed, isn't it? I mean, he still he finished second in Singapore. He was in the top ten in... Um, but to be fair, when, when he's on Abu his Dhabi. game, yeah, yeah. like when we look at the Hyundai Tour Championship tournament you know his putting was phenomenal you know he was what 108 out of 108 until mid mid round on Sunday from within 6 foot he was nowhere near those stats now he's never going to always hold that up but we do hold him to a much higher putting standard than perhaps we we would if this this is an off week for him and he's still knocking out top 10 that's very reminiscent of what Tiger Woods used to do you know doesn't quite doesn't have his A game with him and still has he's still in with a sniff come Sunday you know he's only 5 shots off the the winning score posted by Fowler so but he doesn't have his A game or his best putting game he's still in the hunt that's that's unbelievable well I remind you of what Paul McGinley said about Rory a couple of years ago for him to be truly regarded as the best on the bad weeks when the mm. putting or the short game or the driving isn't working, you still find yourself top five, top ten, top fifteen. Yeah, that's the difference between a, a good golfer and the very best at the top of the game. And and we just hold Jordan perhaps to a slightly higher level. And when you see him struggling to his standard, mm. it becomes a bit of more noticeable. Oh, he's off his um, game. Blah blah blah. Yeah, of course. But anyway, look. He's. Um, it was funny that the the hooter went. He had a birdie put on the last, and he, the hooter went, and he didn't, he couldn't actually win the event, and he had to come back then the next morning just to finish it off. So obviously that that kind of irked him a bit because he couldn't get out of there a day early. And um, the other thing, and the context of his comments are a little bit. Uh, I don't know what the word is, but he uh, reportedly got a one point three million dollar appearance fee to go over there. So you know. I, think, bit, I, I, want, I, want, I want to be a world number one and go around and play the world, but yeah, he's, he's also banking $1.3 million for it, his it, payday. It very much, look, we all know that there is the official line, yeah. and then the reason. Look, they all turned up to Abu Dhabi. There was a lot of money all given. It's not mm-hmm. just Jordan Sweet, it's Rory, it's Ricky, it's all these guys. Yeah. You know, the, the appearance money is as good as, you know, winning the event, oh, other yeah. than they're it's getting a trophy at it. And I, think it's, I, think he, I think he needs to be careful about making these sweeping statements about never going on a world tour again. You know, that's it's too far. I think it's a bit silly to say something like that because, um, you know, there's, there could be... More, big opportunities going down the line in the next couple of years I've no doubt that he will be back in Abu Dhabi or he'll be back in Oman or he'll be back wherever it is yeah. where there's another three or four million that's not to say it's right or wrong I have no difficulty that's just the way life is with these guys absolutely and he's sponsoring it he's there he's selling the tickets in effect because people want to see Jordan speak I don't think they like he went albeit okay he might have been delayed a day I don't think he was you know flying home to the States on the 11.05 Etihad flight to... With an 18-hour layover no, somewhere. He, he's flying out in his private jet and all of yeah. the rest. So I don't think I feel too sorry for him when he has to wait 24 hours to finish If anyone track. feels sorry for Jordan Speed, tweet us. I don't think we'll at, get any... At Podcast GTS. <laughs> Look, we, we spoke uh, a couple of weeks ago um, about Brandon Grace and what a player this guy is and could become and somebody who I thought at the time could have a really strong season again and uh, certainly could be in the hunt for a major or two. But um, last week at the Commercial Bank Guitar Masters in Doha, 7,400-yard par 72, Brandon Grace put on an absolutely clinical uh, show to close with a uh, 69 to become the first man to successfully defend the uh, Guitar Masters. Um, He made a point, Barry, after... um, the round that it's it's wonderful to win on tour it's very difficult to retain or to defend a European tour event or any golf event over, mm. over the course of the year so that in itself is the first time I think he's ever done that and he's delighted but he made the point and this is I suppose key he believed that last year the win in this tournament kick started what became a very good year. This now bookends to a certain extent the last twelve months mm-hmm. and starts the next twelve months in, in his season. It's beautifully timed. And that 
his belief is that this could mean that he could hopefully go on to even better than last year, which I suppose is exactly what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. It was a strong field. Sergio was there, Ustazen was there, um, uh, Cabrera Bello was there who came second. There was a lot of big names in this field. So it wasn't an easy win for him, um, but was it justified? Was it was the right winner at the end of the day uh, he, crowned? He was just so composed on the Sunday, wasn't he? It was the calmness he had about him on the course. He just looked, you know, that's a guy who knows what he's doing. And it was almost like he was just following the path all the way to the win. Uh, it was really, really impressive. Um, his his record in the last number of events he's played in is absolutely phenomenal. He's just knocking in top tens for fun. And even when he's not on his game, he's still hitting in those top tens. So and there you go. There's the mark of a great player, like we were saying only a few minutes ago. Uh, he is a great player. I do think he's got a... A major in him at some stage. Whether he has more than one remains to be seen. But uh, because certainly you could see him winning a, um, an Open Championship or maybe a US Open. Crikey, he was nearly a... But for the tee shot on the uh, 70th hole last year at Chambers Bay, he was he was there, you know. Uh, I, I think so. it's just a pleasure to watch as well. He seems like a really nice guy, which, which, which helps. Um, I think it's going to kickstart... Again, for him, mm. he's the kind of guy who does like playing every week. He likes kind of continuing, you know, like Rory took the week off. You know, they, some of the players seem to come back for one, then not be back for another couple of weeks. And uh, I think Rory is teeing it up this week. But, you know, you kind of get that kind of, Brandon Grace just seems to be the guy. I want to play. I'm touring the world. I'm doing what I do. And we'll see where we are at the end of the season. Here's a question. Do you know, say, the, the guys who get higher up the rankings and more prolific and higher profile and higher profile in the media seem to get to play less events. Do you think that's as a result of other commitments they have, like uh, commercial sponsorship commitments or uh, uh, you know filming ads? Do they need that extra time off to do all that? And is that why these guys say they're tired when they do play the same amount of events as a good player but who wouldn't have as much... Um, Obligations to the media as the top players have. I, I think I think there's definitely at the higher end of the world rankings a much more drain on your time and your effort. And um, if Callaway or TaylorMade are paying a lot of money mm. for sponsorship, they're going to ask. Especially when you do become known, if you do have those wins, there's going to be much more pull on your time. The reality is that I think they get to a point where they look at their schedule and go, how do I, I don't need European tour wins anymore. Mm. You know, I'm now looking at how do I set my schedule up? You know, and you look at Shane Lowry. Shane Lowry's a good example of it. You know, he's he's worked hard to get into the top 50, then in the top 25. Mm-hmm. He's doing very well. But he is charting his course this season, aiming at the majors. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got his WGC, he's got his exemptions, he's got everything he wants. But now he's saying, how do I maximize my opportunity to get a major under my belt? And that's where I think it changes. So all of a sudden, some nutritionalist, some guy, personal trainer comes and says, you need to take two weeks off. Yeah, you shouldn't be playing five out of seven weeks, you should be playing four out of seven weeks or three out of And let's, let's chart our course as to where. I also think there's, you know, the reality of what you said about Jordan Spieth and three odd million, there also comes a point of, where am I getting my money along the, the way? Am I better pay? Will I go to Doha or will I skip that, practice a bit and be ready for yeah. here? And I get to also enjoy, when you get to that point, I'm sure, Rory or Jordan or Ricky or any of these guys, happy to spend a bit of time with the family mm-hmm. in Dubai or, or in Hawaii and say, Do you know what, I might skip next week. I don't necessarily need to be blustered out of it over in Torrey Pines, but I'll come back in two weeks and I can enjoy my time it's an interesting one but i do think that the reality is when it comes to commercial responsibility it's gonna only go up when when you get up the ranks uh the pga tour uh two weeks ago was the career builder challenge in partnership with the clinton foundation it was at the pga west tpc stadium course in la quinta in california 7300 yard par 72 and this was just a phenomenal tournament and i want to spend 
a couple of minutes because I think it deserves it. Uh, Jason Duffner getting out of Alcatraz um, and to put that in perspective. So if Jason Duffner wins this on, on a uh, on, on a playoff against uh, David Lingmurth, um, I think, what was it, second time around on the on the 18th? Yeah, yeah. But we've got to go back to tell the full story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Duffner is very much in the driving seat. All of a sudden, he just double crosses himself or whatever. It's the island green on 17. Mm-hmm. It, it It's going into the water, stops on the rocks. Now, even the commentators are saying, I might as well be in the water at this stage because, you know, I don't see how he has a shot here. You know, it's right on the rocks. Well, if anybody can, Jason Duffner can because uh, he got down and uh, almost held the, uh, the chip off the rocks, in the hazard, yeah, and nearly holds it for a birdie. It was unbelievable. Like, it's the pin. Ridiculous shot. I mean, the fact, so lucky to have a path for the club to go through the rocks to get to the ball, which was kind of sitting on, I guess, hard sand, which the rocks were amongst, you know. Some some sequence of factors involved to even give him the chance to have that shot. He said afterwards that uh, it was the same idea as when you play in the likes of Dubai when it's 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 sandy and the it's heavy pants. and it's hard and and you kinda of get used to it, you know, he knew what to do. And I felt sorry for, for, for Lingmark after playing incredibly well for the whole weekend. Yeah. And as he himself said, the one mistake that he made was on the second playoff hole, the second time on 18. wasn't easy. They both they had both been driving the ball quite well until they got to the playoff, and mm. the two of them went to shite. And both of them uh, ended up missing the fairway the first time. They then go back. They I think they 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 the part, part, yeah. uh, back back to the tee, start again. They both end up right again, way off to uh, off the the green. Or off the fairway. Lingmert's sitting down slightly, but unfortunately, as he said himself, didn't grip down far enough, didn't take it into account, club turned straight into the water mm. left. And at that stage, it makes, it, it makes Jason over. Duffner's decision much more easy yeah. for him. I don't need to go with this anywhere down the right. You know, just stay away from the long stuff and stay away from the, the, the water and I'm fine. He holds out. First time for uh, for Jason Duffner to return to the winning circle. Um, I think that's the first time since 2013. Yeah, so since that hot, hot three weeks he has. He was ecstatic afterwards. I've never seen a man you know, <laughs> jump up and down so much. It was it was incredible. It was like he had won the lotto. I, I was I, I I just don't know what happens to that guy inside. Like I think it's great to have that cool exterior. Yeah, yeah. But like. Doesn't look like a band that could be animated that much. I just would wonder whether or not he ever has, you know, been... Like, is it just him? Is he just that way inclined, you know? Like, he did look like he nearly cracked a smile, which I think was as close as a smile I've ever seen from Jason Duffner. It probably hurts him to smile, I guess. You know, probably, you know if he smiles, you know, it feels like somebody's jamming something into his side or something. Um, anyway, look, amazing to see him back. You know, you... There was probably a lot of us thought that will he ever win again? You know, has, has he just kind of gone off the boil for good? And well, lo and behold, he pops up and grabs a win, and he's, he has, he's a factor again. He had all Titleist gear in his bag as well. Give my give a shout out to Titleist. I'm trying to get sponsored by them this year, so I'm going to give them as much of a shout out. Um, but yeah, so like it's good for Jason Duffner. Let's have a quick look at last week, which was um, oh, I've lost my sheet. It's the okay. Farmers Insurance yeah. Open at Tory Pines. In San Diego, California, I love this course. And um, when I lived in California for the summer, I got to go up to it and played over the north course and the south course Thursday, Friday, and then they they move on to the south course, the more difficult of the two over the the weekend. Which was yeah, it's host of the U.S. Open. It's an animal. I, I think the reality here is first off, um, this was Brand Snedeker won, and I think I read somewhere was it. 26 hours or 23 hours after he finishes round eventually it yeah. was uh, confirmed uh, the real winner this week was the weather um, it, it, it really absolutely annihilated them um, you know there was a lot of times that the pros were saying we shouldn't have been playing that the ball's oscillating you know it's it's virtually impossible I saw 
That's that's remember. golf, isn't it? Though that's what that's what we amateurs would, especially here in Ireland, we'll deal with that on a very regular basis. Oh, absolutely. Now, when you when you look at the the, the results and you look down the field, uh, yeah. and I think Snedeker won at minus uh, minus seven six, six under six under. Yeah, Paul Don, our local Irish guy who was playing in his first PGA Tour event on a on an invitation, mm. finishes level par really unfortunate final day like got completely battered by the wind mm-hmm. and I think it was 6 over for Sunday but he ended up tied 15th gives you an example of how very few people have broken par over the course of, of, of the, the four days oh yeah there was only yeah there were only 12 people under par for the four days I and mean, that's what that south course can do to him the, the rough was juicy on both courses even the north course wasn't just the usual push over that it, it, um, it historically has been uh, shows that any course with a little bit of work to it, or you know, let the rough grow up a little bit, or the weather conditions will you know juice the rough a bit, it becomes difficult. Snedeker's round in context, okay, he shot sixty nine. He was the only guy of the field on Sunday to, or sorry, on the final round to break par. His round was nine strokes better than the field average, which is just ridiculous. Um, what else can you say? Look, he was lucky in a way in that he finishes round in the tough conditions. Then, in his post-round interview, he lamented the fact that the guys, they weren't putting up the same conditions that he had to. They'd get to come back the next day. What happened was, though, the wind switched the next day, and the leaders had to then play the last eight holes into the wind. Um, one of the holes that KJ Choi played, he hit driver three wood, it was par four, and was still short of the green. So, uh, that kind of played into Snedeker's favour. Uh, Choi had a, a long put on uh, 18 to tie. Uh, it was a really difficult one, you know, down the ledge to get to the hole. So uh, some round of golf by Snedeker in those conditions. Absolutely. Like, that's going to be one of the rounds of the year without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I, and he's a good guy. Mm. I, I, again, I said it earlier about Brendan Grace. He's the kind of guy you like to see win. Yeah. You can't um, help but like Snedeker. He's just got this kind of cool, happy... He does look like he's just him. walking out of the golf course and going to the to the beach to have a, a burger. A beer yeah. and maybe some surfing. You yeah, know, yeah, just yeah. have that kind of look. Um, Serious win though, very very good win. It was, and 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 it was it was tough to watch for us because you know, oh, I love watching that. Uh, I love watching golf in those conditions. When the pros have to deal with the tough conditions, we see them week in week out playing relatively benign, nice conditions, and you know it's happy go happy go lucky for them to go score. Uh, I think it's great to see them have to deal with really difficult conditions, a different challenge that they, that you know than they regularly have to deal with. I, I assume because of it, uh, the pros hate that. So I, I'm guessing that they will demand next year that the PGA don't uh, have wind that level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. turn the volume down. Again. They don't. They yeah. don't like being looked like fools, and and there was times that a few of them looked very foolish. Um, yeah, it was it was really interesting to watch, and uh, I certainly I was quite I was indulging in it quite heavily. The rev- uh, preview for next week, um, the LPGA is at the uh, Coates uh, Golf Championship, uh, presented by R and L Carriers um, in the Equestrian Club in Florida, six thousand five hundred forty one yard par seventy two. Nay, na, na Choi defense, and I have no idea what the the. Uh, betting is so whoever it is the very best of luck Lydia, Lydia Cole leads the field yeah. of 4-1 to one. there we go there and we go. let's move then to the European tour is the Omega Dubai Desert Classic uh, Emirates Golf Club Dubai um, a, a super club um, Rory defends uh, 7,319 yard par 72 and Rory unsurprising is 9-4 to four. Henrik Stenson 9-1 to one. and then really there's a massive drop off after that uh, down to the Martin Keimer who stays in 25 to 1 and then you're looking at uh, Olsen, Peters, Sullivan and all the rest kind of going at 30s, 33s and, and beyond clearly the betting here is all centred around Rory yeah. um, I saw him doing a wonderful uh, bit of uh, uh, work for Bose in the uh, in, in the, the mall uh, just dropped in to to show how much he loves his bows while you know traveling in no way shape or form in fact i nearly unfollow him at this stage on on facebook because it's basically just one commercial after the other for Rory. but oh it's oh, yeah, yeah. either he's in the gym with nike listening to his bows or he's in the bow shop listening to bows 
or he's he's so it, it's all commercial. Yeah, he's dropping a riff for not likes new song through bows. Oh, yeah. Anyway, not nine to four. If if you're interested in in ridiculously short odds, there's some very good values we had this week because of that. Now, I mean, if you look at Andy Sullivan, prolific winner the last you know fourteen fifteen months, he's thirty to one. Uh, our, our usual uh, uh, bookies are paying five places, but I'm sure out and about you might be able to find one or two extra places. Yeah, you might find a sixth place or somewhere. Uh, yeah, decent, decent enough European tour strength field. It's all about Rory, though. I think that's the reality. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at somebody and looking at people to bet, it's definitely not going to be Rory at nine to four. No. But down the field where you have five places, there's certainly a good good odds. Anybody, Barry, that is kind of sticking out other than maybe a, a, uh, Andy Sullivan as, as somebody that, you know, as an each way bet for, for kind of a longer odds, anybody that takes your fancy? Uh, Thomas Peters could hold the form from uh, a couple of weeks ago, finishing second to Ricky Fowler. He's available at 30 to 1 as well. Um, you know, it's, it's not a short course and Peters is a, you know, 7,300 yards, so it's not... Unre- uh, unrealistically long for the pros but Peters does hit that ball a long way so that give, has him coming in with short clubs an awful lot so, uh, so yeah. Peters is the man for you you never know he could um, be well let, let's look uh, at the waste management Phoenix Open it's the TPC in Scottsdale in Arizona uh, 7,300 yard par 72 I think this is only um, of any interest because of the the, the stadium hole and um, this week, and, and just very briefly, um, they have organized some new sponsorship or some work with GoPro around the 16th. It's going to be during the Pro-Am. They're going to be fully linked up. I think there's talk about having the caddies having GoPros on them so you get to see golf inside the ropes for the first time. Oh, that's cool. Um, it's also it's going to be the start of a long-term strategic alliance between the PGA and GoPro and they're going to try and give more of an interactive basis for, for golf for people watching so this week uh, they're, they're online I think this week but if you google GoPro and the PGA mm. there is a lot of stuff going on but it's all going to be centred around the stadium course Nice to see it so this is a, a, a who defends actually? This is a good question. Brooks Kepka. Oh, Brooks, Brooks uh, defends. Cupcake, as we sometimes refer to. I love, look, this is great fun. I wish they hadn't taken, putting all the rules in place around the stadium because you know, the caddy race that used to happen is now banned. The pros can't throw anything to the crowd when, you know, Harrington used to boot, you know, he booted the football into the crowd and filled through a spiral into the crowd. This is, I don't think it's going to take away from the party atmosphere because these guys just, it's like how was it half a million people go through the gates the beer is flowing the crowd goes nuts and uh, if you're a pro do not miss the bloody green on the 16th or I, I just think the fact that they want people to, to scream and shout yeah. and, and you know we all go on the golf course and shh Barry <laughs> you, you, you crunched your knuckles in the middle of my swing and that's what and these guys look it, it, it's a great hole but it gives this tournament at this time of the year something unique and mm-hmm. something interesting and, and if nothing else just watching the 16th hole oh, as the only hole for the whole weekend is, is just something fantastic. The fact that it comes at 16 as well, come Sunday, it's yeah. a very interesting place. If it was maybe on the 2nd or 3rd, you wouldn't necessarily feel it. But come Sunday, 16th, all those people shouting and screaming, if you have a one-shot lead, yeah. that 100 and something yard uh, pitching wedge looks an awful lot tougher. Yeah, you don't want to be missing the green. Anyway, the... Bookies have, I say, the green bookies, uh, who also have merged with another big bookies today. Uh, it was their first day. Bubba Watson's eleven to one. Snedeker's twelve to one. Brooks Kepka, defending champion, is sixteen to one. As is Ricky Fowler. Matsuyama twenty twos. JB Holmes twenty five. Phil Mickelson, Zach Johnson, Jason Duffner are twenty eight to one. Justin Thomas, Kevin Na, Kevin Kisner are thirty to one. Ryan Palmer's thirty three to one. Webb Simpson forty to one. Lingworth and Brendan Steele are 45 to 1, and the rest of the field are 50 to 1 and out. And our own Shane Lowry is sitting there at 55 to 1. Any, uh, any ideas there? Party atmosphere at Scottsdale? Um, not really yet. I haven't got uh, too in depth into my research. You, you might tweet if you, if you find out who you will be backing. You might. Uh let, let our people know once you yeah. put your bed on. I'd, uh, if anyone's having a look, um, 
maybe look for a little bit of course form. Seems to work quite well in this uh, in this course in particular. And uh, I guess somebody who kind of enjoys a bit of a party atmosphere, they can kind of ride that buzz and just get on a good flow for the week. And the other thing, just as a as a side interest bet, uh, some places are giving you kind of five to six, eight to eleven, eleven to ten. Um, around a yes no to uh, to whether or not there'll be a hole in one on sixteen. Uh, just generally, yeah. it's it's okay. the hole in one market. Uh, yes at uh, at eleven to ten, no is eight to eleven. So it might be something just a, a little bit of fun and um, to see whether or not that short they might be able to to get an old hole in one. But look, I'm going to enjoy that. I think my focus is going to be on boat tours this week because I want to see the Omega. But I also very much love the the, the waste management. Mm. Um, thank you, Barry, for for all your input as always. Uh, thank you to the, the listeners. Twitter is at podcast GTS. A good talk spoiled at gmail Thank you for for all your input. Good luck. Enjoy your golf if you're playing any over the week. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye, Barry. Well. Yeah. Well, you're fine. Bye-bye.